Hey, Typology Tribe, Ian Morgan Cron here, your host on this show on which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm coming to you from the Typology Studios here in 12 South Nashville, Tennessee, in the garage. <laughs> we are coming to you from the new Typology Studios in your garage upstairs like we've heard all of the podcasts that are succeeding are doing we actually bought this garage <laughs> hoping that it would improve the quality <laughs> of the podcast and attract people who would be impressed you will go to there's no links you will not go to, to make no i thing. am not a proud man i am not and i'm hanging a lot here in the studio because guess what what right now i have eight adult children in my house and four dogs <laughs> four dogs yes and I, I know there's been three no you no two and there's and we Kale's. have two kale and marge have uh a husky okay yeah. i will circle back to the husky <laughs> in a moment and of course paul, oh, paul and Maddie's. maddie okay have a big golden doodle indy i didn't know they right? brought theirs with them. you know let me just talk to you a minute about Huskies. Now, Avalon <laughs> is a cool dog. So I don't want to, you know, I love, love her, love her, love her, love Kale and Marge. But I got to tell you something. That dog sheds like it's mad at you. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's it's like, you leave with part of the dog. Oh, no, man. You, pet, you come pet the dog and you leave with part of it. Okay, so the other day, Percy, my little golden doodle, yeah. I look over him and he's got this big white thing in his mouth, right? And then, yeah, exactly. Like and a, then I realized cat? he has a tennis ball sized thing of hair that he found in a corner <laughs> somewhere. Was he, did he, was he hacking or? I don't know, man, but I was using the vacuum the other day and it started oh smoking. I mean, gosh. what do you do? That's hilarious. All right, let's talk about this incredible interview with Brett Hagler we got today because uh, it was, a, was, it was an, an amazing conversation, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, a three who is doing his work. Oh my gosh. And listen to this three resume, right? Uh, he is all about the intersection of innovation and impact. He's a cancer survivor. Uh, he's a Forbes 30 under 30, top 100 most interesting entrepreneurs in the world, uh, uh, at least according to Goldman Sachs. He's a speaker. He's an angel investor, co-founder of Home Team Ventures, which is an early stage venture. I'm yeah. And he's 14. I mean, <laughs> he's I mean, printing these 3D homes in these like really impoverished areas. I know. He Amazing. is the, he's the chief of staff of uh, New Story Charity, which we're going to get into on the on the podcast and and what it's about. He said so many Here's the thing that people can look forward to. Yeah. They can look forward to a guy who at 30 something is doing work that lots of threes at 65 are only just beginning that's right yeah and you just got to wonder yourself who is this person going to be at 45 Oof. 55 65 if he continues on the trajectory he's on he gives you a clear picture of how powerful this tool is yes to be able to use it at the young age that he is yes i, I was thinking of my children just like oh this gives me so much hope for you know even my own like that they can be so they can go into their adulthood self-aware right I had to spend the whole interview <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> dealing dealing with my four energy that was comparing myself to him the whole time yeah. and then and then uh, trying to manage a big ball of envy mm -hmm. that was coming up and, and dealing with my feelings of inferiority and what if I had done that when I was you know blah right. blah 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 blah. Anyhow, my issues. Uh, let's get to this interview because it is fantastic. Everybody, this is Brett Hagler. 
Chief of Staff for New Story, New Story, New Story Charity.org, Enneagram 3 with a two-way. Brett Hagler, welcome to Typology. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on, man. I've, um, I've learned a lot from you. Our team's learned a lot, so uh, it's an honor to be here. Well, we're, we're delighted. Uh, we shared earlier in the introduction uh, a good bit about who you are, your accomplishments, the things you're passionate about. But I want to hear from your perspective before we jump into Enneagram material. What is New Story? So New Story is, um, very simply put, we're a nonprofit that um, works with families that are in extreme poverty that do not have adequate housing. Um, we work with families mainly across Latin America and Haiti. And we're able to team up with them and, uh, and partner with them for multi-generational housing. And we are called New Story because we're trying to create a new story, um, yes, most importantly in the family's lives, but also really a new story in how we think about um, kind of refreshing and, and trying to challenge the status quo with a lot of traditional charity methods. So we're trying to bring in new innovations and, um, and kind of be more, uh, you know, more, more, more into the future with what we're trying to, um, to do and trying to bring these kinds of um, best practices and innovations to the families that need them most first, uh, when usually the families we work with uh, usually are getting any kind of exciting innovation last. So, uh, so that's what we work on housing. It's a massive, massive problem. Uh, aside from climate change, it's arguably one of the biggest, most expensive problems in the world. And, um, and, and we get to, to try to, you know, to make our, um, to make milestone progress um, in providing families with, with more housing. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me how you were introduced to the Enneagram. Uh, your book. So your beginner's guide, actually. Um, a couple of our team members uh, got hooked on it and uh, said we should read it as a team. And so the whole team read it before a offsite that we had. This is when New Story was a little smaller. Uh, we were about probably 15 people, uh, maybe three years ago. Mm. And uh, we all read it before uh, the, um, the the offsite. One of my team members, uh, Annie Brannon, did kind of a whole breakdown of the team dynamics. And that was how I got introduced. Was it immediately clear to you that you were a three with a two wing? Or did you were you sort of torn between any types? Or was it like, no? Don't even need to read another chapter. That's me. Once I read the content, uh, three definitely stuck out more. Um, When I took the test, I was pretty close with a three and an eight. But then once I actually read and understood, uh, it was very clear that, you know, I type myself as a three. Um, And uh, and then, yeah, I would say two as the wing. um, But uh, a, a lot of three with a little two would probably be my, my self-diagnosis. <laughs> That's wonderful because one of the things that I'm always sort of uh, sharing with people is that um, there are gradations in wings, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm a four with a heavy three wing, but I could mm-hmm. have an average three wing influence or a, a light one, to, even to the point that it's like you could barely tell. You know, totally. uh, so it sounds like you're a, a strong three with an average to a low two wing. Uh, something like that. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say so. Um, yeah. And I think, I think as as I've begun the journey of trying to become a healthier three, I think that my two has gotten better as well. 
um, just bringing out more compassion and um, just try to think of helping others before, uh, you know, my accomplishments are accomplishments first. So I think they've gone together for me. Mm. So you actually are raising a really great um, sort of teaching moment. And that is that uh, people tend to think, I think of wings as descriptive rather than prescriptive. So in other words, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you have two wings, right? Mm -hmm. As I like to say, you know, if a bird has one wing, it just flies in circles, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you, you have both wings and what they offer us is opportunity to grow, right? What we want to do ultimately as we do spiritual work, as we do uh, Mm -hmm. emotional psychological work is to bring those two wings into balance so that they're both kind of flying you know, uh, correctly, right, and, mm-hmm. and efficiently. So, a three with a two wing, uh, for example, you know, obviously, uh, one of the things you want to tap into more on that too is being more in tune with the feelings of others, right? Because absolutely, yeah, right. Because sometimes the three, a strong three, will sometimes blow over people's feelings en route to the goal, right? right? Which is terrible leadership, exactly. Yeah, but it's a default, right? And so until you develop sure. self-awareness and see it in real time and realize, whoa, I've got to make some different choices here. You know, um, we were talking with the uh, governor, former governor of Tennessee uh, earlier this week. We did an interview with him, Bill Haslam, a wonderful, wonderful guy. And he was talking about uh, recently his son at a party. Remember this, yeah, Anthony? So- his son at a party actually... Uh, watched him interacting with somebody and he said you know dad you're doing that five minute thing again where someone's talking about their life and you can see that you have five minutes for this conversation before you need to you want to move on instead of staying in the moment and being present with the fact that they may be sharing some stuff that's fairly vulnerable and important to them and so he's learned now Mm. as i think you are right that's like i can't move it's like stay stay <laughs> and even as a self-aware three he was like what are you talking about yeah and he was like mm. i am doing that yeah right yeah. uh and then for the four wing developing that other wing right like paying mm-hmm. attention to it would be for the three and this makes total sense right uh one is developing more authenticity which is a big four hallmark of the four right uh another one would be introspection spending more time yeah. being introspective um you know, noticing your own motives in different situations, yeah. uh, self-care, uh, and, and not being afraid to do stuff that you're not going to be the best at, mm-hmm. you know, all very that. much so. So this yeah. is, this I, is such I a, usually won't do anything unless I think I have a chance of, I'm like, it's not even worth it. Like there's a couple things I know I can do and that's what I want to stick to. Wow. Right. So, so yeah. I actually, we, we had a three on once and, and, uh, Oh no, it was just a friend of mine. He said, you know, I uh, decided I wanted to learn how to play golf because I had a lot of friends who played. And he said, so what did I do? I took like four lessons a week for six weeks. You know what I mean? Like all in, right? I'm going go, <laughs> yeah. to be Tiger Woods in six weeks, right? And then I realized that I would never be as good a golfer as my, these peers that I want to hang out with. I just gave it up. That's like, <laughs> if I couldn't be the best, I wasn't going to do it, you know? I think for threes, like saying, no, actually, I'm going to stick with it and be okay with being third, you know, yeah. and uh, just totally. not, not have to win. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or having it as, I think what I've done maybe in the last couple of years is I've, there are obviously a couple of things that I do want to be intentional at improving at and, and becoming better at. 
And, and I'm trying to keep those to a smaller number of things. And then everything else is like, you know, who cares? Who cares if I, you know, am not doing well or, you know, it doesn't matter because in my head I've said, there's only a couple things I like really want to, you know, apply to my habits to or focus or discipline. And like, those are going to be the couple things that I want to be good at. And then the other stuff, like, it's okay. Right, right. All right, tell me what you love about being a three and what drives you crazy about it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, love is, I, you know, so I started um, this organization called New Story when, uh, right around my 25th birthday. And before New Story, I had um, one failed startup and then another, another, another failure right before starting this. So I was coming into it as a three with like, I mean, I was, I was nervous. I was scared. Um, and I decided to give it another shot. And I think when I decided to give it another shot, I, um, applied all of my threeness, um, at the time, which I didn't yet really understand the Enneagram. I didn't know I was a three. Right. Um, and I just said, there are certain things that I am not naturally great at. Right. That could be, um, like I'm never the the smartest guy in the room. I'm never like, there's a lot, a long list of things that other leaders have that are way better than me. Um, but what I thought I could do is I thought I can apply my, um, my focus, my habits, being organized, going after a big goal, breaking it down, like, and then, and really just being, uh, just determined, maniacally determined to, to make this happen. Hmm. And, um, and, and I, and that's what, that's what I did. And my threeness, you know, went from, uh, starting an organization that was coming from basically had no experience, no money, no connections, like really nothing. And, um, you know, I had, I was fortunate to have two extraordinary co-founders, um, which is a huge piece of it. But a lot of the early days was, I don't know, almost like threeing my way into us getting off the ground, um, mm. and getting some traction. And so, uh, that was, you know, looking back in hindsight, um, so many lessons to take from that of what I want to continue doing in the future and some values that we've instilled into the organization that I think are good. And so that's maybe what I love about the three side. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also in that, of course, uh, came, came a lot of the bad. And, um, and it was about two, maybe three years of uh, 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 maybe even more bad than good. Mm. And that's when, um, you know, once, because I was coming off of two failures, right. I did not yet understand what something working really looked like, right. Mm. Because nothing yet was a, was, was a quote unquote success yet. Right. It was maybe this guy has potential. He could do something one day, but like nothing was working. So when things started working, then I was like, wow, how do I deal with like there are there are really good outcomes. What am I measuring my worth by? Where am I getting my identity by? Um, if started comparing to others, of course, of wanting to be the the fastest growing and wanting to you know be better than other you know entrepreneurs and all of the this dark side of the three started to come in, and and I didn't have the self awareness to to really acknowledge it. Mm. And so I would say for a couple years as an entrepreneur. Um, I had a, a blend of some really, really good things and some pretty bad things that were more 
internal to me where I wasn't talking about a lot of these things outside. Mm -hmm. It was just how I was, you know, making decisions and, and thinking about the future. Um, and I also am, uh, you know, um, I'm a strong, strong believer. So my faith is really important to me. And I was trying to also work that out, um, at the same time. So that was, uh, that was kind of my, from my, from starting the organization at 25 to, to about almost 29, 30 was a really bad blend before I had self-awareness of what it, I'm a three. And like, these are the, this is what a healthy side looks like. And this is the bad side. And, um, the last two years I've, I've, I think I've learned a lot, um, have a long way to go, but have, we can get into those, but that was some of the good and the bad. Yeah. So do you ever have, uh, a feeling anxiety, depression? I mean, not necessarily full blown, but you know, be feeling really down or, you know, uh, elation sometimes, uh, and you, you, the feeling triggers, a question like mm. rather than being on autopilot and just feeling anxious and maybe running or do I'm not saying those aren't bad interventions, but stopping in the moment and saying, so what's the source of the anxiety? Mm. Um, how can I be with this anxiety without pushing it away or holding on too tightly to it? Like what's going on in me right now that mm. I can feel coming up and you just have this moment where you step back from yourself and do a little self-examination. Is that a mm-hmm. part of your life now? Yeah. I would say now it's much more a part of my life. Um, there were a couple years where I would absolutely feel that, and then I would just I would just try to three my way out of it, right? right. I would try to compartmentalize mm-hmm. and put the plan together, recruit the people I need to recruit, negotiate the way I need to negotiate, and just try to just almost like brute force yes. get out of it, right? And what you're, what I realized I was doing was I'm, ex- I'm exposing myself to, um, obviously a risk of it not working and a risk of my, uh, worthiness and identity and, um, you know, trying to compare myself to others, like that all just completely crumbling. And, mm. and the, I think some of the anxiety came from, well, what if this doesn't work the way I want in six months? Because. In my head, I'm thinking, okay, if this project works the way I want in six months, not only are we, you know, directly helping the people for the six months we want to help or are proving something we want, but it unlocks this whole next phase of momentum that I know is coming. And so I think as a, as a three and as a, um, as a leader, I, I would get into trouble because I would be trying to forecast so much into the future of right. all these things have to go right and the dominoes. And, and I would get the, some of the anxiety would come in when I thought, oh no, it's not going the way it planned, I planned. Yeah. And that means, you know, these, these, these things, which, you know, obviously may not be good for the organization, but also internally and for my own self-worth and my own feeling, I knew that was going to, that was going to hurt me. And so that was, um, obviously not a, not a healthy way to operate, right. um, but there was one moment when uh, kind of everything everything started to change. So I was already aware of the um, the Enneagram, and I was I was getting a I got a spiritual director. Um, great, as well, great Enneagram background, um, absolutely amazing. We meet twice uh, twice a month, and there was this one project, and it was a really 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 big project for a new story, um, high 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 return, also a lot of risk, and. 
it was the only time um i'm really i haven't really been i've been lucky like not that much of an anxious person like of course it'll happen sometimes but there was one project where sometimes i couldn't sleep like it was the it was the most like true anxiety i've ever felt um all because i thought if this doesn't work then all the numbers go down all of the mm. the momentum goes down and we're, we're going backwards right and i just had this moment of um just kind of writing everything out i actually took a whole weekend away and faced it head on and just made a list of okay if this doesn't work like what actually happened you know that right. matters what yeah. actually happened that matters for the things that i'm saying i'm prioritizing which you know we can get into that later and and i just it clicked that oh this is not this is fine it's not a big deal like right. it's um and and that was very freeing and so i've i've tried to build in practices like that where I will, I'll zoom out, I'll get away. For me, I like to journal, I like to write, I like to write out lists. And I like to think the most important thing for me is trying to take a bigger picture perspective mm -hmm. of aligning my values and what I've identified as what's most important. Um, and as long as those things aren't being affected, then mm -hmm. we're gonna be okay. I yeah. just got to go like that. So good. Okay. Because yeah. that's a three doing good. That's a, any type doing, I'm talking to Anthony here. That's yeah. any type yeah. doing good work, yeah. right? The ability to step back and uh, do healthy introspection alongside a wise counselor, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and strong work to say, what really happens if I yes. don't execute right. this perfectly? Right. So it's sort of a, you know, a uh, perspective inventory. Yeah. And then you uh, are able to step back too and disidentify who you are with what you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's and that's right. a right, and that's a particular weakness or threes. But yeah. it's every single type because, oh, yeah. sure. to some degree or another, right? It's a human condition. It's the human condition because you right. know what it is, Anthony. You know, I went. On, I just went on a silent retreat for a week of meditation, five hours of meditation a day. Amazing. If you want to, if you want to go, <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe I don't know. I just about crawled out of my skin about two hundred times. However, one of the things that uh, that this teacher who was brilliant on this thing was saying, look. Don't feel bad. This is just how the mind works. Mm. It's it's how the it's how the ego works. So don't right. don't don't feel it's it's not actually he would, he actually said it's not your fault, mm -hmm. right? Mm. This is just how the ego thinks. It compares. Right. It judges. It it does. It has a whole right. It has a whole suite of behaviors that you know are self defeating and actually create a ton of suffering. Mm. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And I won't go into how meditation mitigates the worst of the of the mm -hmm. what we would call the egoic mind, right? But what you did right there was face the ego head on, mm -hmm. right? Without yeah. shaming it. I mean, you can do this with compassion. In fact, it doesn't work if you don't. It's just like to say, okay, this is how my mind works. In yeah. fact, this is how everybody's mind works. Totally. And I got to just deal with, you know, what it's doing in the moment that's creating yeah. suffering for me. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. And then the other thing that I didn't have during this period where it was much unhealthier is I, I mean, of course, like as someone that's a follower of Jesus, I, I, I knew that was most important, but I didn't do enough work of like truly centering myself on, okay, now Brett zoom out and what really matters? Like, mm -hmm. what are your values? And so I did a sabbatical, a one-month sabbatical that oh, was so really good. hard, at first hard to do. 
Um, this was kind of in the height of us growing and having momentum. This was after about five years and I did a sabbatical and my only goal was to leave that sabbatical with a one page rule of life. And the rule of life uh, was is basically just uh, six values that I have and a vision for what matters to me. And I try to develop a, a, a rhythm where, which maybe is on the healthier side of being a three, uh, a rhythm of where I'm reading that at least, at least three times a week, you know, in the morning. And I'm just centering myself on right. these are the things that matter, right? Temptation is outward success. Um, it's not about spectacular results. It's about love for people. Um, it's, you know, I have this list of, of mantras. It's about obedience over outcomes. And it just started to really like, like just seep into me. And mm -hmm. obviously, of course, I'm still going to, to go back to, you know, unhealthy um, versions of the three. Of course, it happens all the time. But I feel like at least I have something to come back to that centers me. Mm -hmm. And I've taken the time to, for me, be with God, get clarity on this, say, okay, is this the thing that's most important to me? And if it is, then, then I shouldn't be upset or I shouldn't have anxiety if things aren't going the way that I want if they're not on this piece of paper mm. that matter most to me. So mm. that's another helpful practice that, um, that came a lot of this from self-awareness from the Enneagram. So I want to put a pitch in here for spiritual directors. That sounds like something that probably, correct me if I'm wrong, your spiritual director encouraged you to do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Very much and, so. uh, but let's, let's help people uh, understand the difference between a therapist and a spiritual director. Because they are two different disciplines uh, and two different forms of training. And uh, is your spiritual director a Catholic, by the way? No, no. She's, um, she's would be a, I don't know the exact phrase she would use, but, uh, but a Christian. Okay. So I, the reason I say it is that spiritual direction really, it's sort of, it grew out of the Protestant mm -hmm. and Eastern Orthodox mm -hmm. traditions and then has, in maybe the last 30 years, grown in popularity among protestants um and uh so how would you compare the two i'm assuming that you've probably been in counseling yeah. or therapy before how would you compare the two because i'd love to encourage threes mm. and fours and other, every type to get a spiritual director even if it's in addition yeah. to a therapist oh, very much so. right go ahead tell me tell me what you think the difference is yeah i i would say that my spiritual director and um her name is Julie. She's amazing. Uh, I think she cares. She's really caring about about my soul, mm -hmm. and she's really caring about. Uh, I have a phrase I use with her that you know, it's more important than of who I'm becoming than what I'm achieving. You mm -hmm. know, and and becoming for from a character standpoint, and even deeper than that, from a from a soul standpoint of who I'm becoming and and who. Like, am I becoming who God has made me to be and understanding the most important things that um, as a three that I struggle with and she's able to just just really guide me through um, that from a from a deeper it feels like from a deeper place that is really um, to the core of, of caring for caring for my for my soul. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's that's well put. Right, mm -hmm. in fact, yep. uh, the original word for spiritual director in the in these traditions just means soul friend. Mm -hmm. wow. Is what I it like means. That. And so, yeah. 
uh, or soul guide, right? Mm-hmm. And so what they're yeah. more interested in is what is the act, what what is the activity of grace in your life at this present mm-hmm. moment? You know, That's so right. it's it's not diagnosing, it's not That's dealing. Right. You know, with some of the more therapeutic terms, which are valuable, but uh, especially yep. when they're twinned with mm-hmm. with spiritual direction. So I want to encourage everybody. You could. It's not. I mean, it's some in some areas of the country. It's hard to find a spiritual director here in Nashville. Yeah. You could find a ton of them. <laughs> yeah. um, you could certainly. Uh, I used to like when I was in Colorado. I just called a Catholic monastery and said, "I know you got some," and they were like, "Oh yeah, we got some." And uh, yeah. I have. A, I had a spiritual director, an Episcopal monk in Cambridge, Massachusetts, at the Society of Saint John the Evangelist. This guy here was the genius of this guy. He would ask me questions that would throw me back on my heels. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a therapist, and usually when I go to therapy, like, I got to be with someone who's pretty good because I usually know what the next question is. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know, I mean, if you're a musician, you know if the guy or the woman's got game because they're bringing a, a wide vocabulary <laughs> instead of, like, you know, the, the typical stuff everybody would do, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, like, one time this guy said to me, he said, I was whining about my life, you know, just how crappy my past was and my present was my future was gonna be and finally i think i've told this story before he went like this i swear his face got this big into the camera you know what i mean like and he has like little glasses and he is like wearing a little he wears his little monk outfit you know and and he looks at me and he goes ian this is your life these are the cards to what is god inviting you right now (laughs) yeah and i was like <laughs> I like I'll call you back. <laughs> and you know I've not had a therapist ever say th- so you see where it's going mm, like the direction yeah. of it is yeah. more toward big existential questions mm-hmm. about your that's life right. and your soul, you know. So I I mean one of the things that's impressive about uh, this what, Oh go ahead. No, it's going to for spiritual direction um I think it's I've been doing it now for almost 2 years and uh I have um a lot of my executive team does it now we offer it actually as a as a benefit you know to 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 our team and i think it's one of the best investments you can make i really do um especially if you're in any kind of leadership like it it's not only in your personal life but Mm -hmm. it's also i mean everything carries over into 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 how you how you lead and how you show up so i'm a very very big fan so did you know this anthony that uh, and maybe some of our listeners don't know this, which is kind of I can't believe I've never said this. But the Enneagram was originally used by spiritual directors to work with uh, Catholic priests in training, you know, uh, novices. Uh, and actually, the novice oftentimes didn't know that the priest that was their spiritual director was wor- using the Enneagram in. Their assessment of the novice, right? And um, so it grew, and and then of course it came to the states, really, uh, and emerged through uh, the Jesuits. Mm -hmm. Uh, A guy named I think it was Robert Oakes, of course Richard Rohr, and others brought the enneagram to wider attention. But actually, it was kind of an inside baseball thing that actually people guarded other people from knowing about. Wow. So again, it was initially used only by spiritual directors. Wow. 
That's so I'm really glad that your spiritual director knows it and is is using it in in your work. All right, well then let's just talk about this. Your deadly sin, which I guess if you got a spiritual director at work with you, I'm sure that she's uh, raised this to the fore, is deceit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or which which might you know sometimes a very unhealthy three will deceive others, right? By presenting a persona or a mask. Uh, with which they've become overly identified, and uh, but usually it's unconscious. You know what I mean? Self-deception. Yeah, right? it's self-deception. Yeah. Like the three themselves becomes convinced mm-hmm. that they yeah. are the person they are presenting to you in the moment, right. <laughs> uh, and without realizing this is not my authentic self. I'm doing this for other mm-hmm. motives, mm-hmm. oftentimes which are not awesome. Has your spiritual director worked with you on on that? Yeah, she has. Um, I think that she's probably def- defined it a little different than than um, than deceit, but but yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I think I've I've tried to I've tried to set up um, certain habits to identify when when that's happening. But obviously, at the same time, a lot of it's un- unconscious. And so um, for me, I think one of the best ways that I've I've tried to um, to improve there is I think that the 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 closer I am and just as a person of faith, like the more I'm abiding over striving and the more I'm just like, you know, in in my good practices, uh, in the word, um, being attached to the vine, like like that's the thing that if I'm doing, then and this sounds, you know, kind of cheesy Christian talk, but that that is where I'm getting better fruits and I think I've found myself to be less less deceiving um or, or the mask will come on and so mm. there's different things i've tried to do but that has probably been and it's very basic um but hard mm-hmm. that's been the one thing that has helped me the most so when i talk about the projected image that yeah. threes that i'm not very conscious of it's like when they're really unconscious like a three at an investment bank sometimes like they you know are in sales or something they're just changing masks all day long to not only win the admiration of the person mm. they're talking to. Like sometimes the three will look in your eyes and you can see the question. And the question they're asking is, how do you like me now? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like, all right, do, you, do you admire me? Do you, do you think I'm really the bomb and the best at what I – you know what I mean? Like these totally. – and, and it's – again, it, we can't blame ourselves. It's just the egoic mind doing what it does right within our own type and yeah you know i think uh what you're describing is a healthy three that you're like okay i gotta like like i always will sometimes challenge a young three that's just beginning to do their work to say can you be the same person can you work to, consciously to try and be the same person in every interaction and situation that you're in mm. just try to be the same person yeah, yeah. right to not change values to to kind of like blend with the other person or to impress the other person try not to embellish your credentials try not to maybe take credit for work that's not yours you, you know what i mean like that's young really? three stuff you that's know? what i love about the practice of coming up with like a compass or a mm-hmm. plumb line with those core values for the because for the three so um proactive in doing you find right. yourself 30 miles down the road and you don't even remember why you're there. You know? Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So there's a, a term in Ignatian spirituality. I don't know if your your, your spiritual mm-hmm. director has introduced you to uh, Ignatius of Loyola, but he has this term contra ageri as a spiritual practice, right? Mm-hmm. And and what it means is do the opposite. Literally is what mm-hmm. it means. Just do the opposite, right? So in the moment, it's like if you find yourself doing X, totally just go go in the opposite direction. Like for me as a four, like. We were talking about this while we were setting up. I had a really, really, really hard week this week, Mm -hmm. and I was deep down into my feelings, man. I mean, way down into my feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, kind of like like one of my blind spots. It's one of my. So it's the it's the it's the weakest part of my plumbing. If something's going to break in my plumbing, that's where the leak is going to happen, right? And I have to just sort of consciously step back and try to say, okay. We need to move out of our feelings into more critical thinking, mm. right? Mm. And, and sort of evaluate this from an objective, get out of subjectivity, move toward objectivity, you know, doing what you did, which is just sit down and write this stuff down and see that, you know, uh, this isn't the end of the world. That would be, so I could do that exercise for a whole different reason than a three would. You know yeah. what I mean? And it oh. has different value, but uh, it, you know, kind of gets me, into a, a better space mm-hmm. That's good. you know yeah so for everybody you know if you're a uh you know a two on the enneagram and you feel this terrible need to go meet the need of somebody else or whatever it may need be it's like no actually leave here right now and go address your own needs that's right you know, uh, and that's contra Jerry. Yeah, it's good. You know, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, so it's an, it's an investment, right? It's an investment yep. that you have to you have to be intentional about the time. It's very easy to brush it off and not do it, but mm-hmm. it's an investment that I think brings um, extraordinary results. Yeah, no question about it. Okay, so uh, tell folks where they can learn more about New Story. Tell me more about like what it is you're doing, how they can get involved and be supportive, sure. all that stuff. Yeah, so you know, right now we are um, we're partnering with families mainly in Mexico and El Salvador. Um, we can build a multi generational house for anywhere between six to eight thousand um, dollars. Mm. That's a multi generational home. And uh, and what's new this year is um, uh, you know last year we did uh, a big three D printing um, project where we three D printed the first neighborhood of homes. Um, in the world. Mm. And that is, uh, that was a big R and D project. We did an amazing proof of concept, uh, with our partner out of, out of Austin called icon. Um, and you can see that there's a Apple documentary about it. Um, and that's still going to happen and we're excited for the next phases. Uh, right. but this year, one of our, uh, our, our big initiatives is around, um, is around loans and financing with the families we work with. So right. families that we work with can't get access to, um, any kind of, mortgage or loan, right? So we're trying to come in and, and innovate around um, micro mortgages and how could you know families pay for more of the house so that it's not all philanthropy, but it's a blended product of some subsidy, some subsidy, but majority is being paid by the families. Mm. And so um, ways that people can get involved is they can, uh, they can you know, donate directly to, to a house and 100% of that donation goes towards building a multi-generational home um, or they, could, they can make a loan and, uh, and, and be paid back. So um, those are the ways that people can get involved. Wow, I love that. Can you come make me a 3D printed house? <laughs> Studio? <laughs> that maybe, sounds- maybe uh, yeah. 
we can set it up as sort of a demo model. <laughs> have people come over and realize that hey South. i can do this for a new story in haiti this would be fantastic yeah. i could be we could be your nashville demo scene it could be the podcast studio <laughs> right yeah i love that yeah i love it um and the la- last thing is still getting involved we're uh we're hiring a lot so we're we're growing our team and um we're based in atlanta san francisco mexico city and uh have remote um remote options too so that's another way Ooh, I got a son in San Francisco looking for a gig, man. Cool. I'm going right. to send him your way. <laughs> send him your way. He's a seven on the Enneagram, man. He'll bring some optimism and juice. Fine. Trust me. Yeah. He's, he's got all that for sure, right? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, Brett Hagler on Instagram, at Brett, two Ts, B-R-E-T-T-H-A-G-L-E-R. Same thing on Twitter. New story uh, charity.org is their website. And if you want to learn more uh, about Brett and his journey, you go to bretthagler.com. Brett, it's been a blast having you on. I'm so kind of envious, which is a four thing to be, <laughs> that you are doing this work so early in the game. I can't tell you. I can think of one guy in particular. It is inspiring. I can think of one guy in particular who... If I were to talk to him about his journey and he's 60 plus, he would be saying this is the, that what you're saying right now is the stuff he's just starting to do. Mm. Yeah. Like like it's, he's yeah. just getting to it. It's it's super hard. I mean, I think again like go to encourage folks that maybe haven't been as intentional um as you could be. I really do think you have to think of it as as an investment that is going to bring back just outsized return for mm. the things that matter. Yes. And what I really so believed was that if I get this right with a lot of my internal and, and personal things that are the unhealthy version of a three, it's going to make me a better, a better friend, a better son, um, a better boyfriend or husband, uh, and then a better leader, right? right. Like I know it's going to lead to me being a better, a better leader. And so it's an investment that, you need to be intentional about, um, but the good news is that it's a choice, right? It's a choice that you can make to go away on a weekend or be more intentional about about zooming out and and, and doing the work. So right. um, it has great returns uh, when you when you go through it. Brett, Brett's putting on a three clinic. Man, <laughs> that's healthy stuff. three clinic. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. Brett, thank you so much for being on Typology. And Typology listeners, remember these words. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. And may you have healing. May you have rest. Until next time. Anthony. Yeah. That was strong. Would that I were him. <laughs> that was inspiring. I mean... Uh, you and I both, you know, we've experienced um, people in health and people that are unhealthy in their numbers. And this is a cl- this is a strong version of a three who's doing his work. Yeah, and uh, it, it makes me excited for the potential of people using this tool. I am with you a hundred percent, and I <sighs> I hope that a lot of people give this episode away to other threes they know. Yeah, yeah, right. I think that would be uh, be really exciting. What are your some of your takeaways from this that you really that inspired you? Well, for sure, I, I'm gonna like I told you. I, you know, we both had hard weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, we spoke about that before we started. You know, this morning, and 
I'm going to sit down and do that values inventory mm-hmm. and then also ask myself the question like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen as a result of the things you're struggling with right now? Mm-hmm. And take the charge out of it because I'm a catastrophizer. Right, you know, right. I, I tend to get something in my head and I start running with it and suddenly the, you know, the molehill becomes an entire mountain range. Yes. You yeah, know, the yeah. story starts running and it gets more dramatic and awful and it's like, whoa. And I think that's a great discipline to sit down. I've done it before years ago, but I, I just haven't mm-hmm. been disciplined about it yeah. and uh, at all in the last, I don't know, a couple of decades. So yeah. probably worth doing. And then, by the way, after I do that, I have to get the house ready for a party tonight for 30, 40 people are coming. Nobody said yeah. no. <laughs> What's wrong with those people? You the, know, you, The Kron uh, housewarming slash all the kids are in town. I, exactly. I got to go yeah. vacuum yeah. the house because of the Husky. But... I'm looking forward to We got a bunch of songwriters coming over. I, I told Buddy Green to bring his harmonicas. Oh, and I told, I told a few other people to bring their guitars if they want. We're going to get some songs going. And, uh, and some most, songs and some smoke and, in the air. Oh, yeah. And Andy Gullihorn's coming. So that means we got a cornhole go- game going in the backyard at some point. Awesome. Andy, awesome. do you play cornhole? Yeah. Sure. I'm just telling you, man. We've been yeah. playing a lot of cornhole around you. In fact, you? we got a little bit of time now between this last interview and we got another one Let's this afternoon it. with Brooklyn Sudano, who's a four. Looking forward to that interview. Yeah. I think we need to go play some cornhole and. Uh, I need to whoop you. All right, let's do it. All right, man. Let's I'll take you on. All right. Hey, everybody, we love you, and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.